If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome back. To another For Pod's Sake podcast, I'm really excited, this is the first one I've done in real life, for, well, since the pandemic, so this is rather exciting. Um, I'd like to start off by talking about our amazing sponsors. Um, Ten Dental are a dentist that I've been going to for the last 20 years, even before social media was around, um, and they're absolutely fantastic. They do everything from fillings to root canals, but also the nice bits like teeth whitening and making your smile perfect, giving you that confidence that, you know, we all want. So please check them out, 10dental.com, or on Instagram is 10dentalfacial. They're absolutely fantastic. So moving on to the podcast. So If you've been following our story on Instagram, we bought a house in Surrey back in November 2020, taking advantage of the stamp juicy holiday. We realised during the lockdown that being in a flat in Clapham with three kids and my husband, we were all about to kill each other. So we thought moving out was the best option. The house that we bought um, is Edwardian, has been stripped of its original features, needs a lot of work, a lot of renovations, and we decided to take on that challenge. And since we've been doing this journey, I've had so many questions on Instagram and email asking all sorts of questions regarding renovations, building, construction. Has it it been affected since COVID, Brexit, all the questions. And there's been so many. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do a podcast. So I'd like to introduce you to our panel. We have Toby Halve, our architects from Mitchell Evans. Hi, Toby. Hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, we've got Will Lloyd, who is our quantity surveyor from White and Lloyd. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and uh, first time I'm doing a podcast with my husband. This is Jesse Boyce. Hello. Hi there. You don't really need me here because you've got the experts, but I'm just here to make sure you don't change the plans again without telling <laughs> <laughs> All right. I thought there was a reason you were here. Um, so we're just going to get involved. So first of all, Toby, you're the architect. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit what you do and why everyone needs you? What we do. We are... A team of architects, um, 19 of us, based in Surrey, Um, and we predominantly do residential work for private individuals, private families, such as extensions, renovations, new build houses, um, alterations, that sort of thing, Uh, and we've been doing it for coming up 30 years. Not me, (laughs) Um, but the company's been running for 30 years, and... um, yeah, and like to say we're good at what we do, I hope. <laughs> I think you're pretty good. I mean, that's why we hired you. And, Will, would you like to say everyone what you do? Because I actually only found out recently what a quantity, quantity surveyor actually is and how important it actually is to have. 
Yeah, so um, we're a firm of we're quantity surveyors, structural engineers and party wall surveyors. Um, we've done all three on your yeah. projects, haven't we? Yeah. Um, so we, we're a team of 12, so we're not quite um, Mitchell's, Mitchell in size, but we, uh, we work on private residential new builds, extensions and refurbishments, and we also do some um, assisted living and healthcare work. So we've got a fair mix um, what a quantity surveyor does, it's fairly difficult to explain. It's uh, If you look at it in three parts, I suppose. So really, if you're going to summarise it, our job is to ensure that you get value for money and you don't get any horrible surprises when it comes to the finances. Which um, we know can happen. Which we know can happen, and it does happen quite often. Um, if you split what we do into three parts, it's at the beginning tell you how, telling you how much we think your project may cost um, so that we don't go into planning and waste yes. time Correct. you know without the budget to uh, to meet that we then help you find a contractor by doing a competitive tender and then during the actual construction process we do the negotiation with the contractors making sure you aren't at any financial risk of paying them too much and then negotiating their cost at the end so you're like a safety net we're like a safety net I like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit we had a long chat with you the other day because we were a bit you know, we're at the point in our uh, journey where tenders have come in, four different tenders. They're all pretty different, to be fair, which is unbelievable. I mean, this is why it's so important to get more than one quote. Um, I know that, for example, I know someone that's getting some work done. Like, oh, we just went to one local builder and was going to go with them. I'm like, you didn't get any different quotes? I'm like, no, no, it's fine. I'm like, okay. Um, and it was really helpful talking with you, going through our project to kind of and it made me clear in my head because one of the most important well most often questions that we had was where do I start I want to do an extension where do I start so what would you say well I would suggest phone up an architect <laughs> um that sounds it sounds a bit simple and maybe a bit daft but for example we offer a free of charge consultation so I came out to see you both obviously we had a an idea of what you wanted to do but I think a relationship with your architect is key mm. I've got to understand what you want you've got to aim we're, we're going to be working together for potentially two three years depending on size of project you will see us regularly mm -hmm. um, and that person or p company has got to understand what you guys want and hopefully then we'll deliver what you guys want so yeah, well, we, we go out for a charge, so give us a ring. Happy to have a chat. Yeah. Um, and we go from there, ring, and we come out and see you at the house and have a talk and have a chat. And, and we liked you um, as soon as you walked through the door because you were equally as disgusted. As we <laughs> 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 well, that's a bit of a punch. You could have loved the staircase, couldn't you? But, oh, my God, the staircase. But we had, we had uh, you know, I think it's the same with finding a contractor. We, we saw other architects as well. And we just didn't really feel a bond with them or a gel with them. I feel like they didn't really see our vision. Um, but then when you came in and you were just a bit like, what has happened to this house? We need to put it back. And we, Jesse and I were like, yeah, okay, we like this guy. It's, it's, it's also that you kind of sort of knew the area as well. So you knew what the local yeah, planning so was like. Yeah, I knew straight away. I always do a bit of, obviously, if Mr. and Mrs. Client, potential client phone up, I will always do a 10-minute desktop planning research thing i won't come in cold mm. so i'd done a planning history search on you i knew where you were where you are has a big bearing on what sometimes what you can and can't do mm. for example here 
town centre location-ish means you've got less restrictions than if you're deep in the darkest woods of the countryside. Mm. So I knew straight away with what you said, yes, this can work here, this can happen. So yeah, it helps. Comforting. I think also what we... I mean, we're not we're no by no means experts in renovations, but we have done something similar or on a smaller scale on our previous flat in London. Um, but I th- even think things like grand designs these days has just gone so far into the w- weird and wacky. They're only interested in projects that are just almost yeah, pretty I'd sci-fi. Yeah, I'd like to think a Mitchell Evans project wouldn't go on grand designs <laughs> because you're not going to borrow half of it on a credit card or no. your windows, hopefully, are not going to be three years late or but something like that. What, what they cover increasingly over the years is less relatable to the yeah. average yeah. person. It's, it's a little bit of a world away, whereas the, I don't know if you've seen the Extraordinary Extensions that has replaced that in a little in that same With slot. With tiny temper? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That is your average person trying to improve what they've got and on sort of slightly more realistic budget. So, also, Yeah, and I also don't think that they tell the truth on Grand Designs. They do these enormous, amazing extensions and then... Kevin McLeod is like, so how much does it cost to like, like a tenner? You're like, yeah. right, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the bait of my life, Grand Designs. Yes. We, we get a, a lot of it when we do the, we do our initial estimate and it comes back at a certain figure and then the clients go, well, on Grand Designs they did agree. this yes. house out of straw bale for yes. £45. Yeah. Yeah. Which, is what, which is when we, you know, when we get our quotes, we're like, but hang on, they built that enormous thing for hardly anything, and I can. Un- but I, they, they must be bending the truth, right? They can't be selling the whole. I think, truth. I think so. Yeah. There's a bending of truth, but there's also the most expensive thing. I, I will correct me if I'm wrong, but it's labour. Mm. Labour. If you've got a carpenter, you've got two carpenters on a project for a week. You're spending a thousand pounds just like that. Right. So that that can add up. Yeah. Um, so if Mr. Grant, whoever's on Grand Designs, is doing. I hung that door or I painted the walls. It's going to save you money. That's true. That's true. So Straight away. I should get into carpeting, really, shouldn't I? Well, I, yeah, I also think that people aren't going to go on Grand Designs, finish a job, and then say, actually, we're wishing we never bothered doing this. Yeah. <laughs> did we you wish see we did there this was one else. couple of Grand Designs who ended up getting a divorce because yeah, well, they were that's... so stressed from it? Yeah. I can imagine. So um, if that's worth a couple of hundred thousand pounds saved, then brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> um, talking about prices, um, obviously, we've been through Brexit, COVID energy prices like how have you seen the industry change or for better for worse like what would how has it changed financially last year was a challenge yes Um, it is a challenge so you see it in the news now talking about the you know material prices inflation everything else um that peaks for us at least in terms of what we've seen towards the end of last year um and then at the beginning of this year we've had some issues with um, well, there was HGV drivers and all the, you know, all the stuff that, that um, came out in the news. But I think now it's sort of calmed itself down where everyone understands where we are, mm. where the new prices are, and things have risen, mm. you know, over the last 18 months, particularly down to COVID and yes. Brexit. Um, but do you think also everyone is building? Like there's more people building now. There seems obviously. to be a lot. Yeah. yeah. So yeah well, I would say the exodus if you call it that, from London, mm. so where we are in Surrey, mm. you're, you guys are one of, over COVID, I think lockdown one caused, I don't know, if they, they've got a postage stamp of a garden in Fulham, and then they realise what that can get you in Surrey, mm. it's been quite incredible, to be honest. What the, and, as, and people are renovating their houses, and then People in Surrey are not really moving, generally, so that you, you speak to any estate agent, they haven't got enough stock. People are then, well, if I can't buy anywhere, I'm going to spend my money 
see if I can change my house to get something better. Yeah. And money's cheap. Sorry. Which is the other thing. And money, money is, is cheap. cheap. It yeah. is. So we've got, you know, a lot of our very, very wealthy clients uh, doing these enormous new builds will borrow everything because their money is invested elsewhere. They'll borrow everything, build the house. It's worth a bit more than what they put into it, remortgage their way out of it, and then they've got their house, you know, for a few percent of whatever it costs. Um, so, yeah, that seems to be the, you know, where we are at the moment. And uh, obviously we've been waiting to... Well, well, hopefully we're starting our build, I'm going to say hopefully in March, but March. we don't know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, but I guess it does feel like there is a longer wait to find the right contractor, which I guess people keep saying you don't want to have someone that's available now because maybe they're not very good. But do you agree with that terminology? Um I think it's all dependent on scale. So on the on the small stuff, and in construction, it's all relative. So, you know, fifty thousand pounds in construction is a very small project. On the small stuff, where it's more sort of man in a van type builder, they have a year, eighteen month waiting list at the moment because that's slightly more every man project where people are, um, you know, they made the decision during COVID to to do that. Mm. On the slightly bigger stuff. Um, the, the contractors are busy. It's You do need to wait. I think a contractor who's able to start now, that shouldn't necessarily be a negative thing. No, they may have had a cancellation, of course. Oh, yeah. And there have been but quite a few. Just do research often. why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, a lot of the bespoke contractors who are at the sort of, you know, £2 million turnover, they, um, they run one or two projects at any one time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they come... Generally, hopefully, they'll start the second one six months after the first one, and they finish quite regularly as they move through. So, you know, they always they'll always try and start on site and do something until they've got all their staff to be able to build, you know, get into it properly. Um, but it's very busy at the moment. You know, the contractors are busy. Um, they're perhaps not as competitive as they want they used to be. You know, but we are seeing people market to us now. So you went through a whole year of not hearing from contractors, not hearing from builders, no, really? yeah. no, yeah. And now they've wow. started. Now calling they're again. starting calling again. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting. What have you got for the summer potentially? Ah, that is have you got any projects here or there? Yes. Is that because they've scaled up and they're used to dealing with more work now, or <sighs> maybe, or or they've gone through their tenders over the last six months, priced them at a certain you know higher level thinking it's fine we've got enough work and then now they don't you know that is that does seem to be happening so and what about uh, materials like we keep hearing that there's like a world shortage of timber and glasses like all materials just seem really out of reach now compared to maybe like before brexit before covid is that just an urban myth is it getting better it's not an urban myth there was a real problem with steel six months ago um, and things like windows are on far longer lead times than they used to yes. be. So they used Kitchens to be six as weeks. Well. Yeah. You know, normally three months or nine to 12 weeks, probably on 16 to 20, probably at the moment. Yeah. Um, but that's so. that comes down to not being able to deliver things. You know, mm. when, again, when Brexit happened, there was a real issue with not understanding how you move stuff across the border mm. because, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't prepare for that. Um, and... Uh, but yeah, there there are issues. It's, it's driven by America apparently in the last year with their lumber prices and then them dipping into the European market. So that's again that sort of sorted itself out. It's a bit more normal now. Yeah, there was 50, 50 container ships lined up to go into San Francisco port, all full of wood from China that I read somewhere. 
Yeah. I mean, even Louise tried to get a new phone the other day, and the one she wanted is eight weeks delay. Yeah. And the guy in the Apple store said, it's because of the chips, because of the chips, there's a shortage anyway, which we know about. Which I know is affecting a lot of the appliances. It is, dishwashers. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless it's in John Lewis and you can go yeah. and buy it, it's on a long lead time, which is very unusual. And because of the HGV yeah. shortage as well, yeah. they haven't got enough people to move things around. Yeah. So it's affecting everything. But it, can, it can all be dealt with. It's just managing it and planning it properly. Yeah, yeah you're just planning it in advance. And so, that's what, yeah. Because yeah. I kind of feel this is the worst time to kind of go into any house. <laughs> it's not it's not like your windows are not available they're available yeah. but it's the contractor's role with us to manage guys you make a decision by a certain date you've got to hit that date otherwise then you will be affecting program so you just like your kitchen any that's the whole process in it we will have a site meeting where we will go through decision dates for you so the windows have to be chosen by I don't know, the 5th of May or whatever, or the tiles have to be chosen by the 5th of June. Mm. Mate, if you don't hit that date, then someone might be able to not get on to do the next element of work. So you've got to hit those dates to make sure the deliveries are on time. Yeah, I guess it's about planning. It organized. is. We, had a, we, I mean, we told you we have a friend in London who's an architect, and he said for the first time that contractors who he knows really well coming to look at his jobs and just turning their nose up at it because they've got so many other options it's the first time it's ever happened to him and it's things like it's the combination of factors and it's covid brexit energy prices hgv shortage just the fact that people are improving instead of moving all those four or five things at once makes it difficult it does seem like it's the worst time but what do you advise people to do to get do they wait do they just are they just smarter in what they choose do they shop around i wouldn't wait because i don't think it's going to get dramatically better by 2023 and i don't think prices are going to go dramatically downwards as they were you know no, as they were a couple know. of years ago that's good so know. you know we've advised clients you know don't wait and people don't get to wait see if the costs come down but i don't think they're going to so okay so we've, we've get on and right do it. <laughs> get on and do it i think you've got to Okay, there are challenges, but you just manage those challenges. That's what we need to hear. Yeah, that yeah. is that's what Because I can't, I can't be dealing with that staircase and the toilet door that you can look through. Yeah. It's been a year, I can't do anything. And then I guess on the quantity surveyor plus architect combo, um, I said when we did our last job in Clapham, we winged it. We didn't quite know what we were doing. We had a project manager that kind of acted as a quantity surveyor. He held our builders to account, but it was looking back, it does seem like we were, yeah, we were very much in the hands of that one person without knowing if what he was doing was right or not. Luckily it turned out okay. But this job's two or three times bigger than what we did before in terms of the number of decisions being made and everything. So this really did feel like a good idea. And I think it was probably your recommendation, but if you could talk about how you guys work together, I think everyone wants to know. Well, I think we work well together because not so, and I, there are a number of, and we have done it in the past and we do do it on projects. We manage the finances and the tender all ourselves and do it ourselves. However, if you employ will on certain size projects such as this, it allows us to concentrate on the decisions that you need to make, the architecture, the design, and it takes that off our hat and we can give that to that guy and he can deal with that element. He can kick a contractor if he needs to kick a contractor all the time while I'm helping you perhaps down a bathroom showroom or a tile store or in the domestic setting you will change your mind you will move a wall you will move a door you will swap something I can deal with that Will can deal with the finances yeah 
which is nice actually to have the, I think for me, I'm such an organized person anyway to have, I know what you now do well before I was like, cause you also helped us with our party wall yeah. and I didn't like, it sounds like a house party or something. Like I wasn't really sure what that meant, but it's basically making sure, actually you describe what it is cause I still get it wrong. What's a party wall, Will? Uh, how do you, how do you explain this without everyone falling asleep? I think it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's effectively where you share on, on this project It's where you share a wall with your next door neighbour and you're going to do some work that could either undermine that wall or would involve going into it to put a steel in there as an example and the whole party wall process is you telling them basically you telling them what you're going to do and then having someone check through what you're going to do and make sure that they're happy with it so it's it's protecting you and them um as a result of doing the work but also there's a there's a condition server that's carried out as part of it so you know what their house looks like before you start so if you put a steel in the wall and they end up with a crack you know or whatever you know as a, any damage as a result you know for a fact that that happened as a result of your work and not just because they want their lounge redecorated exactly or yeah whatever you know so around in surrey it's generally quite simple as a process it should be in london it can be an absolute nightmare because people don't like their neighbors and as a you know <laughs> <laughs> massive generalization people, but, it is yeah. true. but people don't talk to each other up in london well it, no. exactly so you have a surveyor on your behalf send a letter yes, a formal yeah. letter next door and no one ever understands you know why it's going now realistically it can be a conversation between you and them this is what we want to do and the notice goes over they consent it costs you know, 100 quid or whatever the number is, and that's it. Um, but it's better to go through the process so everyone knows where they stand. But it's only, am I right in saying, because I learned this, that you, ha- you have to be a certain metres away from a house that you don't need party wall? Yeah, so there's three and six. I'm, three and six. I'm not a party wall surveyor, so I am doing this. Sort of yeah, I'm going, oh, by, right, I'm, going, I'm going by memory here. It's, no, it's not the fence, it's the building, isn't it? Crikey. It's now, you're you're testing our background knowledge here <laughs> it's the bottom of the foundation it's the bottom effect. of the foundation so you are within a certain distance yeah. of your neighbor which yeah. means when you dig your footings foundations mm-hmm. concrete in the ground for your extension you don't want to cause damage to your neighbor and it protects you and it protects them basically but if they're 25 meters away you don't have to worry nice so nice. we're in london you know a terraced house in fulham yeah and you're interfering with that separating wall between the two neighbors you have one party wall one side, one party wall the other. Then you may have, in London, for example, flying freeholds. We've, we've the... had it where someone has done, a, uh, you know, put done an extension on the rear of their house. It's caused a crack next door. And as a result, apparently that's made their piano not tuned anymore. Oh, what? So that's a good example of, you know, the sort of things that you think. Yes. Well, you do find yourself reading your emails and wondering, you know, what you're doing with your life. But it's... Um, <laughs> But certain things like that, it, it formalises that process, it gives everyone rights, yeah. and effectively at that point we all know how to deal with these problems. Legally you have to do it, lots of people avoid doing it altogether. Now, but so then there's you millions up, of building projects that don't even do a party warm or warm ward at all. But, you know, but you'd end up paying to retune a grand piano, you know, just to get the, um, just to get the conversation gone. Without situation, um, the neighbours are given the option to use you as a party wall surveyor or employ their own and so they obviously quite rightly wanted to choose someone independent so they get a balanced or unbiased in their mind view which is totally fine is that quite common they often go for their own party wall surveyor yeah 
it's 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 probably fifty fifty. Yeah, I think it depends on the person as well who they are. They may may be your best friends, the best of neighbours, and they trust you implicitly. And mm. they meet Will, and they go, "Yeah, he's an all right chap." But yeah, so Mike must have given them a bad impression. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's uh, the shifty character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, in London, it happens a lot where people dissent. They pick their own surveyor because you, as the owner, pay for their surveyor, mm, yeah. and they make things as difficult as possible because you know, despite the fact you're separated by a 300 mil wall, you know you don't like each other, and that happens quite a lot. But lots of people, for some reason, think that your party wall surveyor would be in some way biased towards you and help you out. Yeah. Ultimately, they have to, you know, they have to be very um, straight down the line because it's a, it's a process that needs following through. You aren't actually their client. You're an appointing owner, which means actually they don't have any responsibility towards you. They need to follow the process properly. Yeah. But that's very difficult to explain on one letter. You know, that has to be done in a certain format. So what happens is it comes through the door and they read it and they go, oh, my God, what's happening here? Yeah, that's it. You know. And I think that's, 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 that's the point I was going to make is it depends how well informed that neighbour is. Like they might, the, well, in our so case, what, they didn't know what it was. Well, so, well to be no. fair, you and did give us a heads up. You did say, let your neighbours know they're yeah, about yeah. to receive I, a passport and we didn't. It's the same stupidly. in planning. I always say, obviously, certain circumstances are not going to affect our neighbours at all. But I would say, always be neighbourly. If you've got a set of drawings you're happy with from your architect, you're going to ask them to submit the planning. First off, go around and knock on next doors and tell them what you're doing. Mm. It's, it's neighbourly. Yeah. They're going to get a letter from the local authority informing them of the planning application, and they're rather going to hear it from you rather than a cold letter on the doormat. So, That's so true. That's and really I, good And advice. I think the other factor here is our, one of our neighbours might be thinking about selling their property, and therefore... They're thinking, oh, next door will be a building site around the time I'm probably trying to sell Sod's Law, and therefore their worries are heightened, maybe. So it depends what their plans are for their own home. Yeah, but they can't stop it from happening no, as a result no. of the process. So if so. they did say no to the party... If they, they dissent, which is the term under it, then you, it just means you go into the process of like them appointing a surveyor. No, okay. what we've done here, so they appoint a surveyor, we go through that process, there's an award at the end then we move on but it just delays everything and costs a bit more money yeah lovely right we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with questions from my followers that have asked on instagram um got a a few good ones coming up so we'll be back shortly Welcome back to the podcast. We're speaking with Toby Howe from Mitchell Evans Architects and Will Lloyd from White and Lloyd Quantity Surveyors and my husband, Jesse Boyce. Um, So now we're going to take some questions from uh, my listeners, my followers. Thank you all so much for having questions for the ready from uh, both accounts. So my main account, Mama Still Got It. And also, if you're not aware, we have a home account that we started up called Home of Boyce, um, which is more of the nitty gritty details of the build. Well, we having you know tile samples or whatever all that stuff that you might not want to see in my main account but um either way we've had lots of questions so we're going to go through them and hopefully you get your answers that you'll need um we've answered quite a few already but i'm going to say them anyway um question number one what is the ideal process or order to follow on a project i would say simply um do a bit of research on an architect their websites are a great starting point for example Uh, British Airways are not going to phone me up to do Terminal 6. But if you're doing an extension renovation you build and you like the look of their work, 
on the website, give them a ring. I would say 99 times out of 100, they'd be delighted to talk to you and come out and see you at your house and then take it from there. We, we off. We go out, meet with you, talk it through, talk through your ideas, any ideas we can talk you through the planning process. And I must admit that was really And explain helpful. the service that we offer. So our service is the full architectural service. And then from that meeting... You guys may not like me, or Mr. and Mrs. may not like me at all, but I give you a no-obligation quotation to take it forward. Um, And it may just give you... They may explore two or three different architects. I think it's a fit as well. I do think it's... You know, when it's your house, I think it's got to be the right person, and they realise your vision, or you can see, yeah, Toby's the right man for you or not. Yeah, well, we thought that, didn't we? We were like, yeah, we like this Um, guy. And track record as well, I think. So we've got a long-standing track record of successful projects. I think a good example of your first uh, take on our our challenge here is obviously the previous owners moved the stairs from the where you'd expect yeah. to see them yes. and you open the front door straight ahead to a corner of the house, um, which created its own challenges with head height. And, yeah. Well, and I don't think your stairs conform to building rigs. No. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm amazed they're still standing. Yeah. Um, but then what you, you were immediately inquisitive enough to work out where they went before, yes. how that would have looked upstairs. And then I think... Even see, I think that, that comes from experience, because obviously yeah. I see... I'm very, I enjoy property. I see houses every single day. I'm lucky enough to do that. And I can understand when I stood outside on the curb outside to sell a lovely Edwardian or late Victorian house, double fronted. I knew where the stairs would have been originally, how the kitchen would have been originally. Kitchen was probably in the back through there somewhere. Mm. Um, and then yeah. you, you were even considering, I think you said it might even be worth considering putting them back where they were. Yeah. And here's how that might affect things and... Nothing wrong in putting stuff back because it works. It, you know, it was designed in 1891 and it worked and it worked for 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Someone, someone had a brainwave to put where they are now. Don't know if it's a brainwave. But they took out a bedroom doing it. So, yeah, uh, it didn't make, personally, no. it didn't make sense. No. Um, but. Yeah. So that's the first thing to do. Call uh, an architect. Yeah. Or email. Or, e- or email. Or email. Yeah. If you don't want to pick up the phone, we will respond to an email. And they can find you on Instagram. We, we, can. we found you from one of your signs up on one of the houses in the town. So yeah, that's, that's our signboards, which we chop. We will. So we'll put a big one outside here if it's all right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> is a Because people walk, drive by it every day. And if they see a successful project, they think, oh, okay. Oh, I'll go and talk absolutely. to them. The builder will have his sign. Will, I'm sure, will have his sign. Yeah. It works. Nice yeah. All right, good. So there you go. Right. I've got one for Will here. Um, what actually is a QS, and why would anyone ever need one? That's coming from your loving wife, Mrs. Will Lloyd, apparently. Um, but then, <laughs> just to build on to that, um, somebody says, what do quantity surveyors actually do? So I know we've covered that in the first one, but I'd, I'd say it would be quite nice to just cover how... Toby hands the baton over to you because I know it's the I think it's the structural drawings go to you to create a tender pack. I don't think we've quite covered. There's a, there can be a stage before okay. that where Will didn't do it on your project, but on certain projects. Let's say budget is very very key that you can Will can do on our planning early design drawings a budget, and this yeah. is going to cost roughly X or Y before planning. Before so, planning, so yeah. 
I think a quantity surveyor, it's probably better to think of it as a cost consultant or a cost advisor. I think quantity surveyor is one of these terms that's stuck around but probably isn't actually uh, particularly relevant to what we do nowadays. No, yeah. Um, but um, as Toby says, you know, the best thing is before planning, we do a cost plan based on the information we've got. It might be very high level. It might just be a floor plan and a conversation. Um, and then, then we don't waste time going to planning, spending eight to ten weeks dealing with stuff that eight you know, to ten months, yeah. or eight to ten, or eight <laughs> to ten months last year, yeah. particularly dealing with a planning that isn't going to happen in the end. Um, but the actual process itself is to go through that. We sort of dip in and out during the process. So estimate would be number one. Then we disappear. Hopefully, you get planning. Everyone's happy. The engineers are brought in probably before that, but they're brought in to do their proper design at that stage. Once they've got their design, party waterways do their bit, um, which should take eight to ten weeks, ideally. And then what we do is we take all the information, so all of the structural drawings, the architectural drawings, if there's an interior designer or a M&E designer and who design all the plumbing and the electrical, we take all of that information and bring it into one document, which we'll just call a pricing document for the purpose of this, um, which lists what needs doing and what you're looking to achieve. That goes out to the contractors and they all price the same job, which is the key, the key point there. Because what can happen, and we've seen it on your project to an extent, what can happen is you send out the information, everyone interprets it differently, you get very different prices. And that doesn't really help anyone. And if you don't have a QS or a cost consultant involved, you're looking at it having never done it before, trying to work out what's in there, what isn't. Um, is this a good price? Are these really cheap? You know, that sort of, or why are they cheap? You know, do I pay more? Do I get a better job for that? There's all that sort of question. So that goes out to tender. They come back with their pricing. We put them all against each other in terms of the pricing. Um, make sure they've understood it properly. Um, and if there's one that's particularly cheap, uh, we look at why that may be. And it might be that they're very keen, but generally, I think with contractors, we need to bear in mind that their profit margins ten to fifteen percent on these projects. So if they're twenty five percent cheaper, they either know something that no one else does, or they've mixed up something. We'll put it nicely. Um, and if they've done that, you don't want them to get onto site, get six months down the line, then ask for more money, because the whole point of our job is to ensure that you're not, you know, there aren't any nasty surprises. So there's that whole process and, you know, we had to have an interview with the contractor. We all have a nice sort of discussion. We pick one. Ideally, they pick themselves, but, you know, it doesn't often happen like that. So, yeah, we pick a contractor and then get to site. And then at that point, our whole thing is forecasting to you how much we think this job will cost by the time it gets to the end. So if it's a bit less than you're expecting, you can you know, get a better kitchen or a nicer bathroom or whatever. Or if you're thinking, well, I'm actually, I'm going to do all the bathrooms, all the tiling, all of everything, then you know if you've got the budget for that or not all the way through. And we negotiate with the contractors because no one really wants to negotiate with builders. No. Um, unless they're paid for it. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, And you would already had those discussions with them before, so they you've probably got a good rapport with them in knowing yeah. where yeah. to be honest with each other. Well, it's a year long. If we only work with the contractor once, on something like your project, it's a year long working relationship from the first time we speak to them to... You're going to get to know this guy very well, and you've got to go and trust him, but then all at the same time you've got the backup yeah, of us like two. That. 
Yeah. So the whole, you know, our role is that you don't need to speak to the contractor about money so you can focus on all the decisions that need making and there's lots and lots of them. Toby and his team need to administer the contract, which is a separate conversation altogether, but also answer questions coming from site. And the contractors ask all sorts of questions. Some of them are relevant, some of them are stupid. Yeah. Um, but that all involves, you know, continuous work. Um, so, you know, we do our bit in the background. And, yeah, it's that whole safety net thing that we discussed earlier. That's really well explained. It is brilliant. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Um... What's the biggest mistake people make when extending their homes? Personally, not exploring the options. Just because you can put an extension on the back doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Extra space, not... I mean, extra space in adding square footage or an area doesn't always mean that's the right solution for the problem of your house. Um, You could demolish a little bit and add that back in a different form. And it could... um, And I think... Without blowing my trumpet too much, that's where an architect can come because we would explore. There may be two, three, four different options in terms of how it can work. Mm. And option A might have a budget of X, option B might have a budget of Y, and so on. Um, but so just because uh, I can do a mean to extension or a big two story extension on the back, well, actually, how do you get to that extension? For example, we had discussions at your house at, you know, we don't want to go through a room to get to a room, do you? Or making the corridor, the hallway, or the landing too long. It's about exploring, you know, you don't want the shining upstairs. And a lot of people say, oh, you just have a long corridor, and then 30 doors off of it, and I get it. Yeah, and it's dark, it's about light, it's all those sort of things. You know, having a window here or line of sight, I think is very key. So one of the things that I thought about your house straight away, come in the front door, the shape of your hallway, if you meant, which we will have, a window to the garden at the end gives a sense of depth, yeah. space, light straight away. If you've got a solid wall six feet in front of you, 
not very nice. One of the conversations we obviously we've got the plans stuck on the wall and regularly pick them apart and then change our mind, then arrive back to you know it's like it is for a reason. Um, or sometimes I find to save us having an argument about it, I'll say, Louise, you just got to imagine how you're actually going to use the space. Yeah. You know, what's the journey? Why am I going into that room? Where have I come from? Where am I going? And when you start to add a bit of logic to it. It sort of starts yeah, to make sense. Yeah, that's where my training is. That my training is understand how my training is not just bricks, mortar, and concrete. It's how do us as human beings use a space? For example, some people say, "I want a ten meter big kitchen with an island that is sixteen meters long." Well, I don't know. And I think, yeah, but your fridge is there, your sink is there, and your oven's there. Pain in the backside when you want a pint of milk when you're boiling it on the hob and you've got to walk from A to B. It's about having working the space out and separation of space. Furniture can separate space. A changing level can separate space. A simple people ask me, can I have, for example, another situation? I want glass, glass from corner to corner. Well, you, if it's a wall of glass, you can't put any furniture against it. You can't. There isn't a light switch. There isn't a somewhere to hang a picture it doesn't like it break like <laughs> break it up a little bit and you then you can have a light switch or you can have a picture on the wall mm. so can i give a non-designer answer to that yeah. question so bearing in mind i'm the i'm the boring qs is ru- <laughs> the, the biggest the biggest mistake that we see people make is rushing it yes so rushing into the project i I think getting into the planning aspects of things is really good to do that as quickly as possible whilst it's hot in your sort of, you know, your brain and it's it's something that you are still passionate about. But the planning stage between getting planning permission and actually getting it to site and thinking about all the detail and the way it's going to be designed and specs and everything else, the more time you spend doing that, the less time you spend stressing about it when it's yes. on site. And projects are Get quite right. stressful when... When you're on site, you're seeing life's, or quite often life savings being spent month by month, um, realistically. And the last thing you need is someone bugging you about what windows you want. So if the more time you spend beforehand means that the rest of the process is take, so much Take so much your easier. time on design. Yeah. And really you get a tender with everything, with everything within it. Yeah. So ideally the price wouldn't move at all. Yeah, take your time on design. That's a, a lot of people... Want it? Can we have the builders in now? And I go, yeah, but you got to design it. But do it. I, I just the biggest bit of I take your time. Don't rush that process. Get it right for you're spending and probably a lot of money or an enormous amount of your own money on doing whatever it is. Get it right for you, and then consider it. And also, don't if you're your your situation, young family, do it for what you want. Don't design by committee. Don't ask all your friends and family and. Because everybody will have an opinion. And I think, what do you guys want? Get it right for you. We remember the last time around. No one really understood it until it was done. No, no. Well, my wife didn't either. So I extended my house in 2019. And it wasn't until the roof went on, my wife went, that's how it is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because they're only spending five minutes of headspace. They're not having to do the sort of chewing it over that you do. They're never going to get it. No, and I, every house is different. Every house, you know, the sun sets in a certain spot or the yeah. evening. You know, every little people live in certain different ways. So get it right for the right property and don't just 
bang on an extension. Yeah. Well, we've true. got I've got three questions that are asking the same kind of thing here, but you can kind of see where people's heads are at. So let's see what comes to mind as an answer. So someone says, I have a huge project with two kitchens and a garden room. Where do I start? How how do you start? Who do I contact first to tell us what can actually be done? And then where do you start? How do you start? Hashtag overwhelmed. Lucy yeah, Irwin. people say that they're overwhelmed. But <laughs> overwhelmed. Again, it's this... Have, a, have the consultation yeah. with the architect. Have Get them round. If they're any good, they should understand the planning policy for the area they are in. Mm. And they should be able to say at that early meeting, you could do this, this or that. Um, um, sorry, and with our experience, with our project... I felt quite overwhelmed at the very beginning. Like, we moved into this house, and I was like, what, what do we do now? What's next? And then having Mitchell Evans on board doing the design and the planning, like, the planning permission is huge, and also you dealt with, like, Thames Water, and we had the asbestos survey. Like, all of that you took care of, which was just such a, a weight lifted. And then, obviously, Will gets involved, and more weight is lifted. Um, and I don't feel overwhelmed anymore. I feel no, I excited. I, and I, our I role is to guide you through that process. Yeah. That's what you're paying me for, is to... I'm not project managing the whole thing because the builder's in charge of his programme of when Mr. Bill, Mr. I don't know, Bricklayer and Mr. Plumber arrive. But we're guiding you through. So we, we every project is different, but we know, right, if it's a listed building, I need to do this. If it's a terraced house, I need to do this. If it's in the middle of Greenbelt, I need to look at this. So we well, that's, that's why it's important to have a chartered architect, isn't it? Because right. you need because of the training that comes with it. Yeah, and the understanding of the process. Yeah, there's a lots of I'm not, nothing to wrong with their profession, but an archi- there's lots of archi- architectural technicians. Now they're trained technically, so they know how your building goes together, but they're not trained design wise, and they may not know exactly all the process. They're not all the processes that they have to go through. In terms of other things people can do, we, we gave you a Google Doc with a slide for each room. Yeah. With mood imagery. And remember, I remember you saying, um, send us your Pinterest board. Absolutely. And we'll factor that in. That yeah. Just best Key practice. on everything. Yeah. We, we, so we don't, as an architectural practice, we don't have a style. Um, we deliver, we like to think we deliver what our clients want. We don't, you know, some architects, they're bringing on what they do day in, day out in terms of potentially, I don't know, contemporary house or something. But if you show me imagery on Pinterest, what you do, you don't like, then I can really get inside your head, mm. your, your, you know, in terms of understanding what you like and what you don't like. You know, we've done signed houses where I've sat in front of a TV screen with a client and she's gone out, taken 25 photos of houses she doesn't like. And, it, you know, it was really... Yeah. I know, from going away from that meeting, I'm not going to design anything like any of those because <laughs> I know she doesn't like it. No, and it's you know, it's literally going down the road, don't like that, don't like that. But at least I know yeah. where I'm, the direction I'm heading. Exactly, exactly. Right, next question, because I think we are ans- answering quite a lot of these on the way, but um, what is the maximum length of single-storey extension that doesn't require planning permission? Depends where you are and what your house is. But if we're talking a bog-standard three-bed semi-detached, let's say, Semi-detached, three metres off the back of the original wall, single storey, or three metres, two storey. If it's a detached house, it can be four metres, single storey, three metres, two storey. But it all depends the location you are in. So 
areas of outstanding natural beauty. Uh, you can't have if you're a listed building, you can't have certain extensions. But if you're not sure, phone up an architect. We'd be able to tell you. Um, or the thing is, I would say also phone the planning local planning authority, but they might answer the phone <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> They're not in the so, office. At the love that. But we would see. We would assess that. Come and do your free charge consultation. For example, I want to extend off the back of my house. Yeah, but it was extended in 1982, for example. Can't do that on the PD. Doesn't mean you can't apply for planning. Planning is all about the local authority retaining control of what you can and can't do. But permitted development um, is a way of navigating it without planning. But I would always say apply for the lawful development certificate anyway. So, because if you sell that house in five years' time, that's the first thing a solicitor is going to ask for. Where's the certificate for it? So, I've got a couple of money questions. So this is probably for you, Will. Um, somebody says, and this might be a, a bit like needle in a haystack, but you, you can sure you can give some guidance. Generally, how much to knock down a supporting wall to make one room into two? Depends how big it is. Yeah. <laughs> it depends how long the wall is. Or how do you go about costing that? It, you, you'd need a design for it to start off with. Um, because it can be as simple as a steel beam holding up. It, in some instances, if it's a non-load-bearing wall, you, you knock a hole in it, it's fine. Um, but it could be a single steel beam holding up the floor above, or it could be a goalpost, if you picture that, or a box. Yeah. And that and that can double or triple you know, the... Um, the cost because it's all in the steelwork, but ultimately it's going. You know, if you're talking about sort of a three meter wall, if I'm just going to put myself out there at the moment, mm-hmm. um, it would be, you know, it'd be a good two thousand pounds or so plus having to then replaster paint but and do all of that. A sort lot of, thing. of people, I say it a lot, but for example, some walls they all have heating, plumbing, and electrics in it. Yeah, that's so just knocking it, there's the snowball effect so you just for example the wall behind you it's got a door in it it's got a radiator and it's got a light switch they've got to be moved yeah. or adjusted and then you've got to make good or well, the floor in between the two rooms it all has a little snowball effect so it all can depend on how how much is involved yeah but it needs designing is the honest designing. answer and an engineer would probably charge you know a few hundred pounds to go to site and then a few hundred pounds for a design so for less than a thousand pounds you can get the design and then either do it if you want to or hold on because you need building regulations for that as well so the building inspector needs to sign off that steel beam so he wants to see the design justified what if the what if the inspector doesn't sign it off has that ever happened? The answer is not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> yeah, there is that's not that's a why lot. this house got signed <laughs> off. <laughs> not a lot, because when pe- people buy houses which have had previous work and they don't have building regulations sign off, and they just take out indemnity insurance. Yeah. Done, seen that plenty of times. Um, but yeah, uh, there, there must yeah not recommended. There spook, must be it would spook buyers. Wouldn't yeah, it? it normally would spook buyers. You know, Depends unless you. Yeah. We did. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how it passed with that sewers pipe hanging from the ceiling. Not oh. in the garage. Yeah. And well, that, that staircase, I'm pretty... I never... I think I did measure it once, didn't I? Yeah, it wasn't two metres. You know, I'm only there. six foot, but a six foot four bike's going to bang his head on that. Yeah, my brother does. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I'm holding um, the kids going down the stairs, yeah, they hit their heads. 
<laughs> Explains a lot. But Mr. Building Inspector may not have known about it. So that means Mr. Solicitor doesn't know about it. If you don't. Mm. So. Here's another quick money one for you, Will. How do you fund the amazing plans you get signed off? My plans are approved, but worried how to pay. Now, everyone's, that's obviously to do with the climate as well that we're in. So how do we people be smart with their budgets right now? Anything that you would advise just in that area? Um, that one needs some thought, doesn't it? How would <laughs> Design comes into it. There is, as I said earlier, sometimes just by adding doesn't mean you get the best economical solution. You may be able to remove that wall a lot cheaper than building and get the area you need. But, it, but in terms of the actual sort of mechanism with which you fund it, it depends on if you have any equity within your house. So lots of people remortgage or get a self-build mortgage, um, which effectively is a, a loan that allows you to do the work, add value and then remortgage at the end of it. Um, and that seems to be the most common thing. It's normally people remortgaging their houses and some, releasing some, some equity. companies need evidence of architectural drawings and then a price document from a builder to show that they're not spending it on a, I don't know, a Ferrari or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I borrowed. I borrowed on my house. Not, not a great deal of money, but I had to jump through hoops with a certain mortgage company. And they said, have you got some architectural drawings? Great. Yes, I did, because I can do that. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem. But, yeah, you, you know, you can't, I don't think you can go walk into, I don't know, a building society and say, can I have an extra X for my house? They're going to want to see evidence of nowadays, I'm sure. Yeah, and part of this, if you are going to do a self-build mortgage, they'll need a cost plan. Yes. And that's, you know, that's where you get some plans drawn up. We do a costing on it. And if it's feasible, they'll lend against it. If it's not, they won't. But um, the way that people fund it is many, many different ways. Um, but if the cost plan comes back more than we're expecting, then the first things we try and do are take out or reduce spec or cost in areas that doesn't affect the look and feel of what you're trying to achieve. It's called value engineering, and yeah. builders would yeah. call it sort of cost-cutting or yes. knee-slashing or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> but, but ultimately, it's, it's a process of going through and understanding exactly what's really important to you what's non-negotiable and how we end up bringing it to the budget it needs to be at. Um, I think that's where we we can help. Just because a tender comes in at, oh, it's over budget, then we can look at it and how can we save some money and deliver the project. Yeah. You know, the last thing you want is you've gone through all this process and, oh, I can't afford it or it's can't borrow that much money. But what can we do, whether it's in design or change a spec, to tweak the price in the right direction? Um, I've got a question here. Does the amount you spend on an extension translate equally into the saleable value of the property? Not all the time, no. Sorry. <laughs> but the idea is it will do one day. It will time. do one day. The days of... A lot of people ask me, Toby, I don't want to overcapitalise. And mm-hmm. I go, well, the days of spending, especially where we work in Surrey, the days of spending, let's say, £200,000 and getting half a million back on property value, they're not around. And they go, well, how am I going to make this work? Well, are you here for 5, 10, 15 years? Oh, this is my forever home. We'll get it right for you then. Mm. Um, You know, years and years ago, yes, you could Mm. spend X and property prices were rising so exponentially that it did equate. Now, London, I don't do a lot of work in London. London may be completely different that, you know, the price per square foot is so much that adding it creates it. 
It worked for us, didn't it, in London? Yes. Uh, it did definitely work for us. But as you said, that's London. So hopefully it's going to work in South Are you, too. you all sit, you know, if you, what's the terminology, flip it? If you flipped it, you know, sold it the day you finished, might probably not, or you might break even. Yeah. No. But um, in five years' time, yes, you will, I'm sure. Groovy, groovy. Good. Well, this is our, hopefully our forever home, although we're already eyeing up other properties. <laughs> <laughs> well, project number two is fine. <laughs> I'm taking a gap year. That's fine with me, babe. <laughs> um, I mean, the questions that I've got, I kind of feel like we've answered quite a lot of them. Have you got any others? Um, just scanning over it now. Someone says, how much contingency money do you put aside? Rule of thumbs, 10%. Yeah. of the contract sum so that's a sensible thing to do you i think it's important that people understand that if you put some money to the side as a contingency you need to consider that as spent at the beginning and then whatever comes out at the end of it you know it, it whatever you've got left is a bonus i think that's a sensible way of thinking about it and two more quick fires any tips for getting planning permission for a new build on greenbelt land one for one replacement is policy so that should be okay depending on how big you want to go what does one-for-one one replacement mean? So knock down an original and replace it with a new one. That is policy, so you can do that. Now, so every local authority has different policy in terms of uplift in size, so you can only go so bigger. Um, however, um, if you've got a field, can't put a house on it. Not in Greenbelt, anyway. Which I think a lot of people don't know. I no, think a lot of people... I, I very, the amount... The, you wouldn't believe how many phone calls, as our, Darren and I, my business partner, get. Because there are the people out there that sell a field with a plot of land on it, and they think they can put a house on it. Oh, I've bought it for silly money, 20 grand. I've got... Mm. No, you're not... Just because you're not going to get a house on it in Greenbelt. Which is actually what we thought. We were looking at properties that had acres of land. And the thing is, you ask an estate agent, they don't know. They, they don't know. Oh, estate agents think everything costs peanuts as well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it's, it's actually interesting to know that because, yeah, we were like, oh, we'll just buy this and we'll, we'll build five houses on it and then sell them on. And actually, you can't do that. And a lot of people don't know that. And no, up... it, it all depends on the property or buildings on that piece of land. Um and again, a phone call to me or a planning consultant. And we work with planning consultants on that certain projects that they can advise. Yeah, that's a good buy or it's not a good buy. And last one. Do you need planning permission to convert a garage? Again, depends where it is. Your scenario, no. You could do that under what's called permitted development. Um, but if it's in Greenbelt or listed building or a conservation area you need certain planning permissions um sliding doors or crittle beauty is in the eye of the beholder crittle is really fashionable yeah but everybody wanted bifolding doors five to ten years ago now nobody wants bifolding doors they want crittle or sliding doors it is and it i was having this conversation with jesse it depends on the opening size as well mm. if you've got an opening of uh, let's say four metres wide and you want wall-to-wall glass and then you think, I want two sliders, well, half of that automatically is you're never going to be able to open it because a piece of glass goes behind another piece of glass. Whereas bifolds open from all the way. Crittle maybe a set of French doors. Um, Crittle's a brand name as well, so they can look completely different. There are some very good... I remember we did our... 
last place and the contract uh, we had with the question at the time it, it wasn't critical or sliding it was bifolding or sliding yes. that tells you how things have moved but then yeah. he I remember him saying to us well i've got bifolding doors and uh, i've opened them twice this year once once because it was hot and once to show off yeah <laughs> so <laughs> i've got forgot that. <laughs> i've got a set of bifolds now i chose bifolds because of the opening size yeah, they were probably lockdown. They were open more than probably on average, but it is what we're nice sunny weather three months of the year max. Whereas we've got a nice view, so I'm my view with Louise is don't interrupt it with crittle, and we've got crittle ideas inside, so I don't want to over crittle the house. So I'd agree with that, and that's where landscaping is key as well. I would always advocate design the landscaping alongside the architecture because. You spend all this money having beautiful glass doors. You stood in your kitchen looking out to your mud heap of a garden. It's a focal point of what you look at. That's why you've got your doors there. Yeah. So get it right as well. I know there's budget considerations because sometimes they that's phase two or phase three. But Is that what you were going to say, Will? About no, I, I was going to say, devil's advocate here, is that we have bifold doors and we open ours almost every single day from about April onwards. And I actually have it on a home office like everyone else in the world. I built a home office over COVID just before we went back to the office. And that bit at the end of the garden, and that's got bifold doors, and I sit out in the winter, you know, writing emails and things. So I suppose, it, I think I'm a bit of a grizzly bear by sort of, um, by nature. So I'm not sure I like being inside anyway, but I think it's, uh, it depends on how you use them. If you're not going to open them very often, then they actually stop working. You know, so the tracks get all dirty and they don't work anymore. Yeah. So it depends You've got to have on them serviced by folding doors. A lot of people think you make sure you have them yearly serviced oh, or looked at. Yeah. Right, thanks. That's the questions done. And uh, we had another quick break and then we'll come back with some quick fire stuff. Okay, welcome back. So now we're going to talk to Toby and Will about some top tips. Um, how can people save money to make their projects possible? Get the design right. Um, and actually, contemporary architecture is generally more expensive than traditional. So that bigger expanses of glass are going to cost more than the standard set of French doors. It's a top tip. It's a top um, tip. By extension of that, then, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> How do, how, do you need, how do you know what style is right, modern, period, or a mix of both? How do you make that decision? Because we've had to make that decision. Um, I think it's up to what people like. I think... Um, I think... See, contemporary... I'm going to be really architecturally boring here. But contemporary architecture is not just the flat roof glass box on the back. It's about materials. And the right materials... You know, traditional and modern materials used in a nice way. Um, I th we've done listed buildings with very contemporary, you know, historic buildings, medieval, you know, built in 1540 with a glass contemporary extension on. But then I've done traditional extensions on the side of a normal looking, not, not you know, bog standard 1960s house. Planning also plays a role sometimes if it's facing a road or in a conservation area. Mm. So... Um, how do you know when to improve rather than move? Difficult, but I think it... Are you dodging this, Will? Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, I'm just looking you deeply in the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Toby, what's the answer to this one? I guess it's 
down to personal. I think it's surely. research. Yeah. Because, for example, my house, I spent X. The jump up to the next house is so much, and I can't get what I've got now by spending my extension cost again. I need to spend it again. Yeah. So if you think the jump in property value to achieve what you want or have what you want, sorry, is prohibitive, then maybe extend, sometimes extending is the right way to do it or altering a house. It depends on why you're moving. It'll, yeah, and location Why you would move, yeah. you know. So if you want to move somewhere like, like you guys did, mm. somewhere completely different, then, you know, no matter what you did to your Yeah, you couldn't place, create this in London, worked. could you? No. no. God, no. So, yeah, that, that's a fa- absolutely that's a factor. But, you know, when we're done here... You to have that and go and buy it on somewhere else might cost you more than what you're going to spend out there in property, Bangi. Absolutely. So you don't have to pay the stamp duty, do you? Yeah, it's stamp duty. Because to move is expensive, isn't yeah. it? You know, regardless of what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah we, we, you know, lapped up that stamp duty holiday. That was great. I think that's one of the reasons why we, why we moved when we did. It was a deciding factor, wasn't it? Um, what about the conundrum of moving out to allow works to to progress? And we've obviously had to decide we've got to do that because we're taking a staircase out. We can't use the top floor even if we did live here at some point. So it makes it's quite logical for us as well as just for the speed. You've of the got project. children as well. I mm. think it's a big thing. If mm. it was just the two of you and you're happy to camp because you do camp and it is dust is on your pillowcase. Even the builder would do his utmost to keep it clean for you. Mm. You will go to bed with dust on your pillowcase and you will have that you know builder's smell in the house um it's but it all it's all <laughs> living on a building site's horrible yeah i've, yeah, done, I've done it you know we i've washed up in the bath <laughs> <laughs> and i lived on a can of gas you know camping stove that you buy from millets or whatever for two weeks and takeaways and I think I, sh- I, I may have showed you pictures once that the kids yeah. were balancing between the four choices yeah. but my kids were of a certain age. Yeah, we've got a toddler. You exactly. Know, she go on her, I mean, she touches everything as it is. But you ask any builder, they'd want you out anyway. Yeah. yeah. Because I they're think... tidying up every night. If you're living here, they're making you safe and comfortable. And it's just added stress, isn't it? It it's is. It's added stress. It is and, added uh, stress. I know it's going to be a really stressful time anyway. I mean, we're, we're already bickering about tiles and whatnot. So, yeah. and um, And also... I want to be in love with the house. I don't want to be living here and be completely out of love with it. One thing is, that's a big thing, and I say it to a lot of clients, is they're chomping at the bit to get back in. But if a decorator and a plumber's under your sink or a decorator's painting the walls and you've got a floor-tighter, it takes a lot away from the excitement of... Imagine moving into this brilliantly finished, spanking new, lovely finished house and the excitement and the enjoyment of that but if you've still got builders crawling over you while you're doing that, it's not fun. And you're trying to camp and you're moving boxes, it's not fun. And it takes all that sparkle yeah, exactly. away from it. The it really is a mental thing about that. Don't move in until you have to. It's that really. Grand Designs thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, at the end of Grand Designs, they've been living in a caravan in their garden and they're living in this now million pound house and they look absolutely knackered. <laughs> like, that's what you want to avoid, isn't it? Yeah. But, but yeah. in a practical sense, if you move out, it will get built quicker. Yeah. And yeah, the exactly. contractors will be happier and yeah. you will be happier. And we'll be happier because we'll have less stress. Um, and we're going to finish up with your best or funniest stories from your own work experience. Not including our stairs because that's too easy. <laughs> what do, I don't know what you, what you mean. 
ending by funny story. Oh, oh, the piano that's not tuned anymore is quite good. Yeah, I've already used story. it. I've already used it though. <laughs> I was with my old boss when knew the client. The client opened, knocked at the door. Client um, opened the door. She was in a gym gear, and she said, "Do you mind if I quickly go upstairs and change out my gym gear?" And she came down in a bikini. <gasps> <laughs> but. That not directed at me because I was like 21, 22, and my boss, I, it was all directed at him. Oh so. my god! <laughs> yeah, are you sure it was yeah. directed at him? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was. I'm, I'm, you know, 21, naive, we're all not even. Well, there you go. Um, I'm sure that'd <laughs> that's be. The, that's the only thing that springs to mind. Not, not. Anything else, Will? Well, I, I've had I've had so many situations where you uh, you know what I said about you wonder how you got to this point in life, <laughs> you know, and where. I mean, when I was eighteen, we used to work in the NHS quite a lot, and I had to do a measured survey in a, in a live maternity ward, <gasps> which was eye opening. Oh my god! It was so when you've got a tape measure and you're shaking, <laughs> trying to sort of measure window openings and things, and not you know learn where to look well, and where not in to labor? look. Yeah. <gasps> Wow. It was horrendous, yeah. Oh my! I won't say which hospital, but it was absolutely horrendous. I'm surprised that they allowed you in. Yeah, well, the, the, the people are always giving birth, aren't they? Yeah, so true, I suppose yeah. it's one of these things. That's a 24-hour thing. Yeah. What about warring couples? Because we're our, oh, I've our had divorces. Our, remo- <laughs> our removal, our removal men that moved us here right. said they once moved a couple that were splitting up and dividing possessions. They were arguing about who took the dining room table, and it was glass. And so one of them went and got the lady went and got a hammer and smashed it. In front, of them. in front of the removal people, so there wasn't discussion anymore. Yeah. No, I've had, practical. We've had warring. Fa- one of my guy, one of my guys, we nominated the marriage counselor in one job. Not that the couple were splitting up at all, but all they seem to do is argue. And my colleague is the uh, sort of marriage counselor in between them. Um, but it's you know what we're doing is very personal, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is. You no, know, it's. It's the biggest thing you're ever going to, in terms of do project-wise, potentially the most money you're going to spend on the most biggest asset you got. Yeah, it's very emotional sometimes. Well, it's not over yet. I'm sure you see a few things <laughs> We've between not even me and Louise. Started yet? Oh my god! We'll have to do another podcast halfway yeah. through. Send your marriage counselor around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 In about yeah. three months. <laughs> Um, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, Toby Howe from Mitchell Evans, where can people find you? What's your website? Um, www.mitchellevans.co.uk but Instagram is Mitchell Evans Architecture. Fab, brilliant. And I must admit, they are incredible architects, completely sorted our design out and held our hand along the way. Love everything about it. And then we've got Will Lloyd from White and Lloyd Quantity Surveyors. Where can people find you, Will? Uh, website is whiteandloydspeltout.com. Uh, Instagram. I actually have no idea. I think it's just White and Lloyd. Yeah, it must be. I mean, we're not that creative, so... You are, you are. <laughs> and then, of course, my husband, Jesse Boyce. We're still talking to each other at the moment, but we'll see as the project goes along. Um, thanks very much for listening. And once again, this podcast has been sponsored by Ten Dental, my um, amazing dentist. Have you all noticed my lovely teeth? No? Good? No, they are amazing. <laughs> and you can find them at tendental.com or at Tendental Facial on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back again soon with uh yeah maybe halfway through the project see yeah topping, see out, at. topping out ceremony yes nice nice should we do that there we go i don't know what that means but okay when you reach the highest point of the building we celebrate it basically with a beer or a champagne done we'll do that sounds great thanks guys thanks very much cheers bye
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.